everybody, welcome to One More Round with Josh Norris. Today I'm very excited. I've got my friend Tacey Clayton Cundy with me. She is the co-founder and CEO of Casa Academy. And I think when you hear this story, you're gonna be inspired because this was her and her, her friend Jenna that created something from their mind that is a school that is impacting hundreds of kids a year. So uh, with that, welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. Good Absolutely. to be here. Absolutely. So I was trying to think back. We met, what, six or seven years ago? It's been a little while, yeah, yeah, for sure. It was right when you guys were starting, and I think uh, Danny, Danny <laughs> Brown, shout out to Danny, you had introduced us, and yes. uh, was he on your board already at that point in time? I think he had just joined the board around around that time. He's He's been a, one of our longest serving board members, so yep. we were super happy to have, have Danny with us, yeah. And then, yeah, I know you guys needed some like website help at the time, and that's where we stepped in, and yes. was, you know, I, I think I worked mostly with Jenna uh, initially to help with that kind of stuff, and when I saw your guys' vision, uh, I was like, yeah, sold. You know, I'm happy, <laughs> happy to help. Um, so, you know, with that, tell me a little bit about your story. What, what got you into education, and mm -hmm. you know, where did the idea come from for Casa Academy? Yeah, sure. So, um, I think I always knew I wanted to go into education. I always had wanted to be a teacher from a young age. Um, went to Bucknell University for, and I majored in education. But then I had this really great opportunity after graduating to join Teach for America. Um, which if you're not familiar with it, it is a national teaching core. They recruit, they recruit top college graduates yeah. um, to commit to teaching in a low income area for two years. Um, with the idea being that, you know, what you really need in a classroom is strong leadership. Um, and so I joined Teach for America. There was a very high need here in Phoenix at that time, moved here, absolutely loved it. Um, and so that kind of started my journey teaching in a Title I school here in Phoenix. Title I um, is a, a school that basically serves a very low income population, which is definitely where my heart was mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Sean Zellman, actually, that I went to school with, he had served with Teach for America. Oh, he did. Mike very Donnelly cool. did as well. And they're both, well, one's now a teacher, and I, Sean left teaching, but like they said, it was one of the best experiences. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's an amazing experience getting to impact lives that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, so what gave you the idea to start your own school? Like that's, that's not some, that's usually not the leap people take. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't know, you might laugh at the story a little bit just because it's, it's kind of like, I did not want to found a school actually initially. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, so through, you know, through my experience with Teach for America, I actually ended up staying in the classroom for a few years beyond that. Um, got the opportunity to get a second master's degree in administration and school leadership, which was just this really great opportunity for me, and then got recruited into a program through the Arizona Charter Schools Association that was designed to cultivate school leaders mm -hmm. um, to found highly performing schools here in the Valley because there was just a need for those schools at that time. Um, and initially, I remember at my interview, this is where you might laugh a little bit, I, they were like, okay, like, you know, here's the program, like, here's what we're going to do. You had to go through this very intensive interview to get accepted into it. And I didn't want to found a school at the time. So it's like, I know I want to do something to impact more students, but I don't know if like leadership is the direction I want to go in or not. And so they basically, they're like, okay, they still let me into the program, even though I told them at the interview, like, hey, I don't know if I want to found a school or not. Um, but through the, through the course of this program, it was just this amazing eye-opening experience for me um, because we got to visit highly performing charter schools in three different cities um, outside of Arizona. And it, I, I remember the first school we walked into, it was just this like absolutely jaw-dropping experience. You could tell that the staff, the students, the parents, just everybody was on the exact same page when it came to student learning. Mm -hmm. And so that was a consistency that I had just never experienced in, in my work here in Arizona at the time. And so it was something that I was like, hey, we need this here. Like we need to bring this back to Phoenix. And so um, that was really the experience. That school, um, a school in Denver called University 
university prep, just mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Um, I thought, hey, we don't have that in Phoenix. Our, our students here in Phoenix need that. And so really wanted to bring it back here. It was like one of those things that when you see, it's like you can't unsee and it's like you have to take action on. Yes. Kind of, it was I, one of those moments in your life. It very much was. That also with the um, the facilitator of the program who actually has now founded his own school, uh, his name was Andrew and he would get up and give just, you know, he was a great public speaker. We get up, give these monologues about like, okay, the time is now. Like, here's the need. Like, here's where we are academically in the valley. Like, here's what we need. We need really great leaders. We need really great schools. And it was kind of like the combination of those two things. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, great. Like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to give it my best and I'm going to try. Yeah. Yeah. So you started it with Jenna, what, seven years ago now? Uh, so we're actually in year nine now. In year nine. So 2014, we wow. opened doors. Yeah. So what what is the process of starting a school like that? Like, it seems like there would be a lot of red tape in my... There is a lot of red tape. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. So we, part of it was we applied for an Arizona Charter Starter Program grant mm-hmm. um, at the time. So we got three quarters million dollars, three quarter of a million dollars in startup funding to help us, you know, find a building, you know, pay for this planning year for us to like make sure that we had everything in place, hiring, staffing, curriculum, all those pieces. Um, so that was like a big, big part of it was getting that startup funding. And then the other piece is obviously like writing the actual charter application, mm. which I tell you is like in a binder that's this thick, yeah. um, you know, with all of the different detailed documents you need, like the business plan, the operational plan, the, cur- you know, the curriculum, the academic plan, how are you going to manage the school, all of those different aspects, really making sure that we think through those. Um, and so through this program at the Charter School Association, we, you know, basically were able to get some ongoing coaching and support. And so that helped us, you know, write that actual, I don't know, 600 page document that we submitted to the charter board and then got unanimous approval in January of 2014. Wow. Chat it was G- intensive for Chat sure. GPT would have been helpful back then. <laughs> <laughs> right I don't know if they would have appreciated that, but yeah, definitely. We would, have, we would have appreciated it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, today I think you were telling me that you have close to 400 students, right? So we're, we're growing scholars. up to growing up to 400 scholars. Our okay. goal for this upcoming year is between 385 and 420. So yeah, so um, that's where we're going. We currently have 270. So because we are adding an, an additional grade level, we're adding sixth grade in this coming year. Mm-hmm. Um, that will add some additional scholars to our campus. Awesome. And then yeah. most, most of the people watching this have never been to like your fundraiser, which by the way, it's every year, yes. usually in February. February. Yep, mm-hmm. February. So come next, next year. Yes. Um, but Walk them through what they're going to see when they meet the scholars and the mentality behind naming them scholars, how they dress and all that. Yeah, absolutely. So we call our students scholars very intentionally because we want to build and cultivate that mindset of going to college from a very young age. Our schol- the scholars that we serve, um, 100% of them are on free and reduced price lunch, which is the national indicator of poverty. Um, 65% of their- them are English language learners. So that means they're learning English as a second language, which obviously is very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 95% students of color. So we're working with a population that, that has that very high need. And so for us, a lot of our, our scholars, their family, they're going to be a first college graduate, uh, first generation college graduate rather. Um, and so for for them, the importance of building that mindset of going to college from a young age is paramount, right? And so we call them scholars because we don't see them as the five-year-old kindergartner in front of them. We see them as someone who's going to college, going to graduate from college and go on to do very successful things in their life. And so we want to build that mindset from that young age. Um, kind of I, going along with that theme, so every class on our campus is named after a college, typically the teacher's alma mater, and they each have a college chant that they say every day very enthusiastically. Um, we have a school-wide time every Friday where they get to 
perform, basically perform those chants in front of mm -hmm. the school. Um, and they get super pumped up about it, right? They're like, I'm an ASU. Yeah. And you know, whatever class they're yeah. in. And so they get to really experience not only one college, but they get to learn about multiple colleges. So every year they have a new college they're learning about, getting passionate about, excited about so that that, that seed is planted really young for our scholars. Yeah, I know for me, I remember the first one I came to of the fundraisers, and it was the first time I had met some of the scholars, and they're all dressed nicely. They were all taught to shake your hand, yes. to look you in your eye, and say, you know, however they greeted you, and then they would tell you their name. I'm like, this is something that's missing. You don't see this in <laughs> schools. So was that something you saw another school, or did you guys create that for a reason of giving confidence? I, I mean, I'd love to say that we created created it. We didn't. Um, that's certainly something we did observe at other schools, but the importance in having it, mm -hmm. you know, is we're not only building academics for our scholars, like we're building those character skills too. So like our mission is two part, right? Like rigorous academics with character development, because we know that that character is so critical, particularly for students who are coming from a low income background. They need the grit. They need to know how to persevere through challenges. They need, need to know how to be empowered in situations that are difficult to handle. Right. Um, but it goes into some of those skills like you, you're talking about, right? Like the confidence, they shake our hand every morning as they're coming in. We ask them, why are you here today? They say, I am here to climb the mountain to college. Right. And that's like a big part of, you know, of being a professional of representing yourself well. And so we want them to learn those skills from a young age so that it's just inherent in who they are and who they become. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know, um, you know, you have a school, but you run a business basically, right? It is, it is a business at the yes. end of the day. And there are challenges that as you grow from, how many students did you start with? 125 approximately. 125. Yeah. So now you're on your way to 400. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you faced with COVID and, and, you know, during this growth period? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say like the, the biggest challenge was the pandemic for us. And that's because, you know, the pandemic was challenging for everybody in every sector um, in education. It was very challenging because everybody had to relearn, like, how do we teach? Like, how do you teach five-year-olds online on Zoom for yeah. eight hours a day? It's it's very challenging, right? Like, how do you switch it up and make it fun and keep it interactive and engaging and all of those pieces? But for us, the, um, unlike other schools, most schools were, you know, they were already established, right? They were in their building. They had their home. They knew what they were doing and they had to figure out, okay, how do we teach online or how do we alter our educational model to make it work for, for students during this time? For us, we were in the process of moving into a new leased space, like taking out a loan for $5.9 million to oversee this construction project to build mm. out a brand new campus, and then also adding an additional grade level at the same time. So new curriculum, new staffing, all of those pieces too. And so it wasn't just how do we teach online and how do we like make sure we're still getting academic growth for our, for our scholars? Um, it was like, great, here's four challenges in the place where most people have that one challenge. Um, but obviously, like we we did it, we pushed through it because that was very, very important for our scholars and for our growth plan. But it was definitely, there were there's some there were some very trying moments yeah. for us. Awesome. And, and, you, and you started, you co-founded this with somebody. Yes. What was it like? Because I know a lot of business owners, if you've been in business, you either have a partner or you don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, partnerships are they're like a marriage, very much so. Like, how, how was it working with, with Jenna? And what were some of the things that you did that, and that you were good at and that she did? Like, how did you um, basically split the tasks? Yeah, and I, th I, I completely agree. Exactly like a marriage, but, mm -hmm. you know, without the romantic part. Yeah. Um, I have to say, like, meeting Jenna was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And founding a school with her, the experience, we worked so well together. Mm -hmm. um, I think 
obviously I think a lot of that goes back to like very strong communication and also very clear boundaries about what is mine and what is yours. And so it worked well because she was business and operations. She oversaw all of that for our school and I oversaw all of academics at the time. And so it was like a very clear line in the sand of like, okay, you're not telling me what to do over here in academics. I'm not telling you what to do over here in finance. And so obviously we partner together because both of those pieces go very hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, we met every day, but we were very clear about like, what are our priorities and making sure that we were, you know, we were staying in our lanes in a certain sense. I love that. I say, you know, to business owners, I would tell anybody who has partners that right there, staying (laughs) in your lane and knowing what lane each other has is amazing because it's when you get the crossover, I found, because I've had partners in a lot of my companies, it's when you have the crossover that sometimes the miscommunication starts to happen and then, you know, things go you know, negatively were is if you just communicate, this is what you're doing. This is what I'm doing. You can positively, you know, build, build a company. So yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would say like, just kind of going along with that, like we had, we actually had friends who went through the same program either with us or, or years after us who, you know, they started out as a co-partnership and it just, it did not work. And I think, you know, that may have been part of the problem. Awesome. So what's the, what's the future of Casa Academy? Yeah, so we are, we're currently serving grades kindergarten through fifth. We're adding sixth grade next year, and then we'll add seventh grade the following year, eighth grade the following year. So we'll be K-8, fully K-8 um, by the year 2025, which is wow. super, super exciting. Yeah, um, it certainly is not where I envisioned, envisioned us going initially. We founded the school as a primary school. We wanted to focus on grades kindergarten through second, um, and that was very intentional. We wanted to close that academic achievement gap that exists for students at a very young age so that they're like fully set up to move on and be successful. And I think what we found over the years and what our families would tell us over the years is like, hey, like we want a pathway for our scholars. Like we love your school, but like only three years at your school or in some cases, like they're coming in as a second grader, only one year out at your school. That's not enough. Like we like, when are you adding fifth grade? I'm going to bring my child back to your school. Um, And so there was a lot of that request from families. And so that's why we ultimately said, no, like we need a broader pathway. Also, obviously, our, our goal is ultimate ultimately college graduation for our scholars. And Mm -hmm. so how do you do that if you're only K2, right? You're setting the foundation, which is so important, but we want to get them further along that pathway. That that's exciting. Yeah. So you so by 2025, you'll be all the way through eighth grade. All the way through eighth. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. uh, what's it what's it like in that expansion uh, portion of it? Because I'm I can't imagine it's easy to expand a school and a whole nother grade hiring and all that stuff. Like, what are some of the bigger things that you face on a daily basis doing that? Oh, good goodness. Um, daily basis. I mean, I think kind of going back to like that staffing piece, like mm-hmm. making sure that we're at, that we're, that we have the capacity on our campus, on our leadership team. Also, you know, in terms of teaching staff as well, that scholars are getting what they need that, and that our staff are getting what they need, right? They're getting that, that support that they need from, um, from our instructional coach, from our director of curriculum, right? They're getting that feedback. A really unique part of our model, um, from a teacher's perspective is something that I wish deeply that I had had my first year yeah. as a teacher. And that is that one-on-one coaching and feedback. And so every week, we are in classrooms. And so you, you know, you have whoever your direct supervisor is, but your instructional coach. And so she's in your classroom and she's observing your instruction, you know, throughout the week and you're sitting down together and and you're getting here are two things you're doing well, here are two action steps. And then we take that a step further and we say, great, let's actually practice what that's going to feel like. And we go through several rounds of practice with them before they're in front of their scholars so that Mm. they can feel confident going back into the classroom with their scholars and, um, and executing that, whatever, whatever skill it may be. And it's very tailored to, um, you know, if somebody needs assistance with classroom management, we're focused there. Mm. Somebody needs assistance with checking for understanding, how do we make sure we're getting better academic results? Then we're focusing our attention there. I love that. I think that's something that a lot of people miss 
in a school like yours is the training of your staff. Like yeah. you put a lot of time and energy into that because ultimately that rubs off on the scholars, right? Absolutely. I think yeah. a lot of people would be like, oh, well, the teachers do the thing. Well, no, there's a lot of training that go into the teachers to have them have that level of excellence that you know is needed in the classroom. Yeah. So it's kind of neat that you're helping kind of both sides be be better, right? Yeah. And have a different pathway. Uh, so what are some of the cool success stories that have happened? Cool success stories. I mean, I like I thinking back, I like sometimes I'm like, wow, like I helped build this building. But I mean, overseeing like I have no background in commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. I have no background in like overseeing a construction project. Right. And obviously, like we had a fantastic, uh, you know, construction company that we worked with to help us through this. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely love them. Hardison and Downey. But um, you know, kind of that whole process of like what the expansion side from like the business operational side, that was like a huge, just something huge that I learned. Mm. Um, you know, commercial real estate were like, there were so many times we were like, yes, this is the campus. Okay. We're going to move forward. And then, you know, something happens. Okay. never mind, We're not going to be there anymore. Okay. What's our plan B? What's our plan C? What's our plan D? I think we were on our plan. I don't know. F G H by the time we finally yeah. found where we needed to move. And it was it's definitely a little bit scary in the process because, you know, it's like, okay, our families are asking, hey, where are you going to be next year? Mm -hmm. Our staff wanted to know where are we going to be located next year? And, you know, there's always this like pit of doubt where you're like, okay, well, I think we're going to be here, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, but, you know, obviously um, that all worked out. And I think just the timelines with a construction project too, mm -hmm. right? Like making sure that like we're staying, we're staying on our timeline so that we can get into the school and be ready to go by that first day of school. Yeah. That was like a huge, huge challenge. Also a huge learning experience for me. Yeah. No, absolutely. And not something you learn in like no. in education, right? Like not at all related to education. Yeah. Really. No, it's, it's definitely something that you're kind of just like an entrepreneur. You build a plane on the way down type of thing. Like, it, oh, yeah. well, we'll figure this Need out. Need to land, right? Yeah. Yep. So what about some of your scholars? Like I know that some of them, uh, I mean, it's been around for nine years. So, so have they gone on to do some cool things or like, what are some cool stories there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think so. One of our one of our scholars who was uh, he started with us actually in kindergarten um, and came back to us this year. He's a fifth grader now, and um, he he's just made such tremendous growth. And this year, he has made over two years of growth mm -hmm. in a year in reading, which is just very very intensive, right? So we have this amazing assessment we use that spans the spectrum of literacy development, and so our goal is like one very rigorous year of growth because this assessment is very hard and, yeah. and it's it's not easy for scholars to pass it. And so he, I mean, he he doubled that amount, right? Like mm -hmm. he he was like, hey, I'm gonna really dig in. Like obviously, like there was some learning loss from the pandemic, and then also like in the time that he'd been out of our school. Um, but just I think seeing those academic successes, and mm -hmm. I would say beyond that, like. I'm thinking about one 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 scholar in particular who started with us was just really struggling struggling with behavior at the beginning of the year. Um, he was a second grader at the time and just like the, went through this complete transformation because of the work, the investment that his teacher put into him. Like, you know, I'm going to hold this high bar for expectations because I expect this, but I'm going to work with you to help you get there. And I'm going to help you kind of manage some of these like emotional pieces that you know, or stressing you out a little bit. Yeah. And so it was like, by the end of the year, it's a complete transformation. Um, something, this child has been completely transformed from somebody who, you know, maybe was seen as that child in another school who like, oh, it's a behavior problem. And right. He's really struggling. But at CASA, like- and you almost perform like, to that stigma because that's who you are. It's your identity that's yeah. given to you, right? Yeah. And and you can't do, that's yeah. not fair to label <laughs> no. children, to label scholars that way. And so um, at CASA, that's something that we really pride ourselves on. We call our scholars <laughs> who need that additional support for behavior. We call them scholars who we love the most because mm -hmm. they need that extra love, that extra support. But we're going to we're going to hold their hands and we're going to work with them, give them that, that individual attention they need to help them make that growth. Yeah. So that's been really tremendous seeing some of those stories with our scholars. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Now, you're a very positive, enthusiastic, <laughs> and intentional person. I, and I've watched you for the last several years, and it's inspiring, actually. You don't meet a lot of people like you. Where does that come from? Oh, goodness. That is, that's a really good question. I mean, I think like my focus is always forward. And I think in terms of these challenges that come up, like the pandemic and moving and adding a, you know, overseeing construction project and commercial real estate and all these things, I think knowing that like, I can always do better. I can always learn more. I can always grow more. Mm -hmm. And I think with that, like encourage, just knowing, Hey, I need to encourage my staff. I need to encourage my team that they can do that too for our scholars. Right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what we do comes down to our attitude mm -hmm. and our energy that we're giving off. And if I'm like, Oh, I can't do it. Like I'm never going to make it through. Yeah. I'm not going to make it through. And like, and we, we see that with scholars, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've seen that, like, if you believe that about yourself, you're not going anywhere. And so one of the really cool things about CASA that we do is we have this time called morning motivation every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's by grade level band. So it's kindergarten through second grade and then third grade through fifth grade. And so we'll do different themes in that. And so each day we'll talk about the theme of the week. So theme of the week might be, be great. And that's one that we did recently. And so like, we talk about like, what do you need to be doing to be great? Like, is it okay if you don't know the answer? Yes. Is it okay if you stop trying? No, you like during those times when it is really hard, you need to dig down, think about our core value of perseverance, and you're going to push through. And if you don't know the answers, you're going to ask for help and we're going to help you get there. So I think, um, I mean, I think being in education, if you don't have that, if you're not optimistic, if you're not positive, you're not you're not going to be successful. Yeah. Ultimately, you can't, you can't be, you're impacting lives and our, the lives of our children are too precious to, to, to have that negative stigma, that negative energy. Yeah. Um, so I don't know asking, where does it come from? Well, I yeah. think, I don't know. I think it's just always been a part of me. It's a part of my belief system. Do you, uh, and, and the reason I ask that question is again, like I, I don't <laughs> meet a lot of people with that kind of passion intention and, and enthusiasm about life. And I didn't know, like maybe if your parents were like that or, Siblings, if you have siblings, I just, so I'm, and maybe it's just a God-given gift. I don't know. I mean, I would say, like, if I'm going to point one, you know, kind of one, at one specific person, I'm definitely going to say Jenna Leahy, who's my oh, co-founder. Yeah. She, I mean, she was always very positive, very optimistic. Not that I wasn't before, yeah. um, before founding Casa, but I, I mean, just that, like, love of life, love of learning new things. And I think, you know, being in that partnership, that very close partnership with her for a number of years, like, you know, that you start to kind of become the other person, yeah. right? And um, so I think a lot of that rubbed off on me. Um, and certainly uh, to my parents, who I'm sure will listen to this, I don't want to offend them. They, they are very positive people, very right. productive members of society as yeah. well. And, um, uh, you know, they certainly shaped my development as well. I think if I think back to my childhood, kind of like that, that uh, idea of going to college, like that was always that was always something I was going to do. My parents are both doctors. That was something I was always going to do. It wasn't, it didn't have to be talked about a lot. Yeah. And I think like that, that strikes the chord in me very deeply too, right? That part of my upbringing. Well, yeah, it's obvious you're going to college, but for our scholars, maybe it's not so obvious they're going to college. And so that's where like, we need to, we need to talk to them about college and like, yeah. we need to know like, Hey, yeah, you are going to go to college and we're going to help you get there. Very yeah. cool. Awesome. Well, this was great. I, I really uh, enjoyed this conversation and uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they contribute uh, to Casa Academy? Yeah, so definitely check out our website, um, casaacademy.org. We have a Facebook page, which is very active. We love to show clips of our scholars. Um, you actually, we actually have a series going right now of, of getting to know, getting to meet and greet uh, with a Casa scholar. Sorry, I said that horribly. Um, but getting to meet and greet our Casa scholars. Uh, and so you get to learn a little bit about them, hear what they love about Casa. Um, so we would definitely encourage you to follow us on Facebook. Um, if you want to donate to us, you can always go to our website. And then as you said, Josh, like we have an annual fundraising event. It is 
So much fun, I think it, I think it's a lot of so fun. fun. I was like, I don't want to yeah. be biased. I do help with it, but um, it's a lot of fun. Every February, come check it out. Um, you get to meet our scholars, um, and they will definitely try to sell you some art and some raffle tickets, too. Absolutely. So, I, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I know I bought some raffle tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure uh, you did. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, no, thanks for, for coming on today. And, uh, guys, I know you got a ton out of this. Please share this out with somebody that could benefit um, you know, the, from the learning lessons, but also help spread the awareness about CASA Academy. It's a great organization. They're helping uh, the scholars do some amazing things. So appreciate it. We will see you next time.